is Bloomberg Surveillance. There's a road that's opened up now with the British decision to leave that could lead to a better Europe, a more prosperous Europe. They'll have to navigate a political crisis. They'll have to figure out who the next prime minister might be, and that's not really clear. I think we can think of this as essentially a decreasing relationship with economic distance. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning. It is 7 a.m. on Wall Street and in Washington, D.C., where Tom Keene and I are presenting a special edition of Surveillance live from the capital of the United States. Later in the program, Tom, an extended interview with former Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan about Brexit, central banks, and the American economy. Extraordinary good fortune to speak to Chairman Greenspan. You and I know he's been cautious uh, for months. I would suggest it's even increased as you can understand, when you look at the screen this morning, Mike, at 7 a.m., you always go through the data. Why don't you do that? And I'll jump in with a few observations. I'll just start with the fact equities deteriorate. It is a, it is a, a, a downtrend since the, um, volume started to pick up as more people yeah. get to their trading desks. Uh, although, um, and we should note it's noon in London, so people have been trading for a while. Uh, it has been more of a grind lower, nothing like the plunge on Friday. Chancellor of the Exchequer, George Osborne, out today saying uh, the government has a contingency place in plan to shore up the uh, US, U.K. economy. Not convincing people. The pound right now at 132.10, off its lows but below Friday's And we're, we're on a 131 handle watch yeah. there. I mean, the vectors are all in the wrong direction, but as Mike says, without the enthusiasm and angst that we saw on Friday. The FTSE is down 1.7%, 102 points right now. The volume of European shares changing hands almost three times the 30-day wow. average. For British equities, more than uh, uh, three times as well. British banks helping to put the... Uh, European Bank Index on course for its biggest two-day drop on record. It is now down by 7.2% on the day. And you were uh, mentioning some of the European banks, Deutsche Bank getting hammered again, down 9.4% to uh, 12 euros, just just over 12 euros now. Let's color that, and just breaking down to a new low, 12.19 on euros. Let's color the trend of Deutsche Bank as a proxy for our global Wall Street audience, particularly the American audience in drive time. Down we go. At 5 a.m., there was the McKee bounce. Yeah. <laughs> there was the McKee so bounce. Briefly. And then it just didn't happen. And then another bounce. Let me get my official Bloomberg right. surveillance cursor out here. At about 6.18 a.m., Wall Street time, up we go a little bit. And, Mike, as we go to the opening of the show... It ain't happening for the European banks. Well, let's set it up now for the rest of the markets. The stock 600 is down by 3% right now, a little over 9 points. The DAX in Germany is off 180 points, 1.9%. Here in the U.S., S&P futures are off by 14, 7 tenths. It's a 7 tenths decline for Dow futures. They're down 117. And NASDAQ e-mini futures are off 34 points. Eight tenths of a percent. The euro trading at one ten sixteen right now is down nine tenths. It's been as low as one oh nine eighty four. We'll keep an eye on that. The yen one oh one sixty four is weaker still today, and that is in contrast to the Nikkei, which is the one major stock market in the world that was up today by about two point four percent, three hundred and fifty seven points. Ten year note yield in the United States one point four seven percent. The five-year one even 
and 57 basis points for the two-year note yield. In the United Kingdom, the two-year is going for 15 basis points, and the uh, 10-year note yield is at 95 basis points. It's broken down below 1% on the day. So the question is, where do we go from here? Is this a tipping point into a greater global slowdown and recession? Sebastian Malaby is Senior Fellow for International Economics at the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, Sebastian, you are raising that question of whether the whole Eurozone, whether the whole EU, and what that means for the global economy. Yes, thank you. My sense is really that for the UK economy, the uh, extreme uncertainty, which has only gotten worse over the weekend with turmoil in both political parties, not just the ruling Conservative Party, um, that, that uncertainty looks like it's going to be deep and it's going to be prolonged. And I can't see any other likelihood than that it's going to really kill corporate investment, which was already down before the vote, uh, and that's going to have knock-on consequences for the UK economy. Uh, and so I, I'm very pessimistic about that. I think when it comes to the euro, uh, you've got a very determined central bank, which has passed the um, credibility test with Greece more than once and held the system together. I think there's going to be new stresses and new challenges for the central bank in an environment where they use a lot of policy ammunition already. Um, but I think, you know, you have to look at yesterday's Spanish vote, which uh, the election there could have been worse. It could have produced a bigger result for yeah. the left-wing neo-Marxists. Um, so you need another political shock, I think, within the Eurozone for this to get scary for the European Central Bank. That, that, that should reassure you a little bit, the Spanish elections. It tells you that it isn't a uniform, knee-jerk populist response to what's going on. Right. Coming off the British vote, there were as many as seven countries uh, in the rest of the European Union where somebody or other in politics was demanding an immediate referendum to copy the British one. The question is whether those demands and those pressures um, actually produce results. I mean, will there be votes of this sort? And the one vote that was scheduled, which was the, the Spanish election, um, Europe has sailed through relatively unscathed. Sebastian Malaby with us as we begin our coverage this hour. Bloomberg Surveillance from Washington, brought to you by Invesco. Invesco's high-conviction factor-based strategies can help investors focus on a high-quality, low-volatility, and more. Learn more at Invesco.com slash high-conviction. Sebastian Malaby with us with his magnificent book on the hedge fund business, uh, the idea of his work uh, in terms of uh, being a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize uh, twice. But far more importantly, Sebastian, your father, Sir Christopher, as ambassador to Germany uh, and indeed ambassador to France, you have a continental U.K. perspective as a child, which you've always brought forward in your work. The diplomacy here is about dialogue. Well, that dialogue, you know, flinty is the word we use right now. Are we going to have a flinty dialogue that Sir Christopher never saw? <laughs> uh, I think Sir Christopher, who is now um, 80 years old almost, uh, he'll, his birthday will be next week, um, is feeling a bit depressed that his uh, life's work of uh, British diplomacy and integration with the rest of the world has been dealt a, a very severe setback. Um, I think that um, the problem right now is not whether it's flinty or whatever. It's just that there's no, not going to be any dialogue initially because the interlocutors have no idea what they're going to say. The 
kind of disarray politically within the Leave camp in Britain is so deep that they don't know what they want. Do they want to have more migration on a points-based system, which is what sort of, you know, open to the world side of their movement wanted, or do they want less migration? Do they want, you know, um, uh, are they going to take the budget savings from sending money to Brussels and spend it on the National Health Service, or are they going to cut government? Right, Um, but on this Monday morning when there's a Bloomberg headline that Juncker will not resign, that gets my attention. Explain to us European federalism. This is not Alexander Hamilton, is it? Yeah, I mean, the paradox of European federalism is that really nobody wants it anymore. Um, uh, You know, I mean, the political temperature in Europe has gone against it completely. But there's still a kind of technocratic logic that says when you've got a single currency for 19 of the countries, um, they need to integrate fiscally. They need to coordinate taxes and spending and bank bailout funds and so forth. And that pushes the system towards deeper integration, even when politically it's toxic. Can it be done? Or can the U- I guess the question, and this is a longer question. We've only got a minute left here before we have to take a break. We'll come back and, and explore this in more depth. But um, can the integration of Europe on a trade and business basis continue as it is? Or do they have to do something like go back to... Uh, individual currencies so that they don't have this fiscal overhang. That's a really important question. You can't go forward and you can't go back. I mean, that's the truth of it. Exiting the euro once you've denominated every single contract in your economy in euros is so catastrophically painful that Greece looked at that and decided not to do it. It did it twice. So, I mean, going back out of the euro is prohibitively painful, but going forward into integration is not something people are ready to do. So, I mean, we're stuck. And uh, that is, I mean, I think the, the, the upshot of that is a long period of muddle and slow growth and sort of the Japanization of the Eurozone. Well, well, we'll come back with Sebastian Melli. I was going to put a very blunt question to you, uh, Sebastian, which I'll hold until we come back. Tom Keene and I are live in Washington, D.C., a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance today as we keep track of what is happening in the United States and around the world post-Brexit. Tom Peter Dieteris from our data team has a fascinating uh, bit of information here. The last time the pound was at this level, in 1985, the S&P was 183. Well, that would be a bear market if we got back to that. <laughs> we have the vectors in the wrong direction, folks, not the panic that we've seen yesterday. Futures, negative 13. Dow futures, negative 112. From Washington, Bloomberg Surveillance. All right, let's check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. British Prime Minister David Cameron will address Parliament today. Last week's vote for Britain to leave the European Union has left the U.K. looking rudderless. The attempt by opposition Labour Party lawmakers to throw their leader, Jeremy Corbyn, out comes on the heels of Prime Minister Cameron announcing he will step down by October. A new round of flooding is possible in West Virginia and the same area where at least 25 people died in the past week. More heavy rains are forecast, and that has prompted a flash flood watch for more than 20 counties. Firefighters advanced on a wildfire in central California that has killed two people and destroyed about 200 homes. Fire officials say the blaze that has charred about 68 square miles is about 40% contained. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Mike Labar. This is Bloomberg. Mike, Tom? 
And, Michael, thanks so much. Thank you so much for your comments of our work over the weekend. Michael and I really appreciate that. We are in Washington later this morning, a conversation with Alan Greenspan. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. At 9 a.m. this morning, the former Fed chairman will join Tom and me from this Bloomberg Special Edition, Washington, D.C., live on Bloomberg Radio Worldwide. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by National Realty, providers of 100% satisfaction guaranteed New York City realty investments. See them at nria.net. Medtronic says it'll buy Hardware International of Framingham, Massachusetts for about $1.1 billion. Shares of European banks are trading lower this morning following Thursday's historic vote for the U.K. to leave the European Union. U.K. domestic banks are leading declines in the stock 600 as analysts on both sides of the Atlantic cut earnings estimates for the biggest investment banks on the expectation that security sales and major deals will be thwarted by economic and political uncertainty and currency swings. Again, stocks in Europe are lower with the DAX in Germany down 2%, CAC in Paris down 1.9%, FTSE 100 down 1.6%, U.S. stock index futures declining with S&P E-mini futures down 15 points, Dow E-mini futures down 126, and NASDAQ E-mini futures down about 37, 10-year treasury up 26, 30 seconds, the yield 1.46%, NYMEX crude oil down 1% or 47 cents to 47.19 a barrel, COMEX gold up a tenth percent or $10.70 to 13.33 10 an ounce, the euro $1.1004, the British pound $1.3206, the yen 101.62. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Michael McKee and Tom Keen in Washington will be speaking later today with uh, Madeline Albright and also uh, with Alan Greenspan. Right now, Sebastian Malaby, in the spirit of his hugely awaited book of October, The Man Who Knew the Life and Times of Alan Greenspan, uh, and with agreement with his publisher, will not speak in detail about the book. They're keeping that under wraps. I guess we could ask uh, Sebastian who will play Alan Greenspan in the movie, but let's keep that, let's keep away from that. Sebastian, are central bankers today different? Have they moved on to a new process that is removed from the older bankers? Sorry, I was, I was trying to say there that uh, you, maybe you, Tom, could play Alan Greenspan in the movie. I don't. I, I, I don't. I'm too well, tall. Sometimes it's just and hard to clarinet, understand you. And my, yes, that's true. That's true. I, I'm presciently uh, unintelligible, but I don't play clarinet like the chairman. <laughs> are, are the bankers today, Sebastian, are, are they a whole new breed because of news flow, globalization of finance? Is it just a whole new game? Well, I mean, relative to uh, back when Alan Greenspan was starting out his public life in the late 60s, yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, he became Nixon's advisor in the late 60s at a time when the dollar was pegged to gold. There were no financial derivatives. Banking was regulated. Interest rates were capped. We had regulation Q. And then during his public life of four decades, you go right up to the eve of the financial crash in 2007-8, and so if you want to understand the making of modern finance, you know, he's the guy who was at the center more than anybody else. He, for years, and, and I covered him for years, was insistent on the ability to use human discretion in deciding what monetary policy should be. 
and even fiscal reactions to uh, downturns. Is that uh, still a viable theory, or uh, there's a big move to try to push for uh, rules-based um, policy making? Uh, is is Greenspan still the best way to to make policy? Well, you know, here I'm going to um, push us back onto current events in order not to bring down the fury of my publisher too much. But I think that this question about discretion in central banking uh, may be facing an interesting test right now because uh, you've had this big market shock, as you've been reporting. Sterling is down to, uh, you know, the lowest it's been mm-hmm. in 30 years. Um, how do central bankers respond to that? And my guess is that there's some overt um, you know, a sort of lender of last resort, liquidity provision, trying to stabilize all those banks whose shares have been falling today, as you've been saying. Uh, so that's the thing that they're kind of quite open about. Uh, there's also going to be, I think, some exchange rate management, um, which they may not be quite so open about because you create a one-way bet for traders if you're obviously defending a level. So there may be some covert defense of levels going on. The Swiss central bank is the only one I'm aware of that's been open in saying it's trying to prevent the Swiss franc from appreciating too much. Uh, but when you see the Japanese yen, uh, you know, falling today as opposed to rising, I mean, I immediately uh, imagine that, you know, that's the Bank of Japan acting. Well, you you end up then with the fiscal authorities who are refusing to act. So to take us back to Europe, and the question I wanted to ask you before the break, has the Eurozone failed? I mean, I think it, it, it's... It's a fail. Yes, it's failed, um, and it's locked countries into this rigid straitjacket where you know Greece needs a totally different interest rate structure than what Germany wants, and Greece can't get out of it. Now the problem is that you know getting out is even more painful, and so I think Europe has to live in this straitjacket, uncomfortable though it is. And I, I just don't see, I don't see an alternative to a painful, slow grind of muddling through that's just mm. going to be quite depressing. Uh, Sebastian, I was in Mayfair the other day uh, after the referendum looking at numb hedge fund people. You are the authority on this, your wonderful book, uh, More Money Than God. Is the hedge fund game over? You know, I also was with a bunch of very smart hedge fund people uh, right on the day before the vote and the day of the result. Um, and everybody expected, especially when Sterling was rising on the Thursday of the vote, that, you know, this was a done deal, we were going to vote to stay in, and the shock the next morning was quite palpable. Uh, of course, those smart people have got a scenario for even stuff they don't expect, so I think it was quite remarkable to see people, you know, I was at a conference, people were still, you know, showing up to the events, they were trading, but they kind of had their strategy fixed in advance, they didn't have to do much more than just press the hit button, the send button. I, I get different opinions, you know, when I talk to my friends in the industry as to whether the markets, whether whether the industry is um, in some sort of serious decline. I mean, I think what's clear is that in a low interest rate environment where, you know, returns on most assets are going to be very low, you're doing pretty well if you're making 6 7% a year, and yet yeah. that doesn't support the 2 and 20 traditional <clears throat> fee structure. If you take two of the seven right off the bat and then you take 20% of the, of the, of the remainder – the hedge fund uh, deal with the outside exactly. partner that has to be renegotiated, yeah. and I think that's one well, pressure on the on the industry. 
Uh, Sebastian Malaby, uh, with the Council on Foreign Relations, among other gifts, again, his book, The Man Who Knew the Life and Times of Alan Greenspan, eagerly awaited for the fall. Michael McKeon, Tom Keene, we are in Washington, a conversation later with Alan Greenspan. Good morning. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Willoughby's. It's 1898. New York City's boutique camera store for precision-crafted Hasselblad Leica cameras, plus a full selection of GoPro action adventure cameras, Willoughby's, corner 5th Avenue and 31st Street. Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Yeah, good morning, 7.30 on Wall Street. I'm John Tucker, two hours away from the opening bell, and yeah, let's get you updated on the news you need to know. The aftershocks of the U.K.'s vote to leave the European Union reverberating across financial markets after a weekend of political turmoil. The pound extending its record sell-off. European equities dropping to levels last seen back in February. Italy is considering injecting capital into some lenders after the vote by the U.K. to leave the European Union sparked a sell-off among banks. And Medtronic says it will buy Hardware International for about $1.1 billion, gaining technology to treat heart failure patients. And it's 731 on Wall Street. Let's get news from around the world now. And here is Bloomberg's Michael Barr. John, thank you very much. British Prime Minister David Cameron will meet with members of Parliament. It is his first meeting since last week's Brexit vote to leave the EU. Meanwhile, Secretary of State John Kerry has meetings scheduled in Brussels and London today on the Brexit. Kerry urged Britain and the European Union to work together to calm markets. One West Virginia resident said her community smelled like death. More storms are forecast for flood-ravaged West Virginia. People are trying to survey the damage caused by the flooding, including one man who lives in Rennell. Michael Mitchell commandeered a boat to rescue people last week. I got nine kids that, you know, had to look at me as a father figure and also as a hero. You know, my daughter thinks that I'm the better than Superman. At least 25 people were killed from last week's flooding. The holiday weekend could be very busy on the nation's roadways. AAA says a record 43 million Americans plan to travel this Independence Day weekend. The AAA says with gas prices about 46 cents cheaper than they were a year ago, more families are taking trips this summer. First Lady Michelle Obama and her daughters are set to arrive this afternoon in Liberia for the start of an overseas trip promoting education for girls. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. All right, thank you, Michael. And uh, 7.32 on Wall Street. Now with the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update is Rob Bushka. Good morning, John. Yankees continue their 500 ways as they fell to the Twins 7-1 at the stadium, and they conjured up just two base hits. New York trailed one nothing, entering the sixth when it came unraveled for Nathan Uvaldi as he fell to 6-5. and five. He was tagged for five runs. Eight Yankees struck out, drawing no walks. They did take two of three. Doesn't get any easier, though. Best record in the American League comes to town tonight. The Rangers pay a visit. Chichi Gonzalez battling Ivan Nova. Similar tune for the Mets falling 5-2 in Atlanta. No run support for 
Bartolo Colon. Tough luck loss as he allowed just one run in seven innings. Mets still three back of the Nats. They head to Washington tonight. Noah Syndergaard gets the call. Giants have won 13 of 15. Hottest team in the big leagues. A's fell to the Angels. Copa America play. Second time in as many years. Chile beats Argentina in the championship match. They do so on penalty kicks. And that is your NBC Bloomberg Sports Update. John? All right, thanks, uh, Rob. And now let's get you up to speed on how stocks are faring. Check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day uh, right here at Bloomberg. In the U.S., S&P futures right now 14 points lower. That's down 7 tenths. Uh, Dow E-mini futures down 122. The Nasdaq futures 37 points lower. That's down 9 tenths of a percent. As we check uh, sterling for you right now, British pound sterling 132.13. That is another 3.4 percent. A decline. And uh, Comex Gold up 1120, 1333.60 right now. You're listening to Bloomberg Surveillance. Welcome back to Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keene, special edition from Washington, D.C. today. Later, an interview with former Fed chairman Alan Greenspan. Stocks are grinding lower, we should say. Uh, S&P futures down by 15 right now. The FTSE in London is off 115 points. The pound going for 132.10 at the moment. The low for the day, 131.86. The Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, investing more than 110 million dollars a year in applied research to solve problems and improve life. Learn more at storiesofinnovation.njit.edu. Here's John Tucker. Yeah, let's uh, see what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math, Michael. Baltimore-based Centrexion is developing a new generation of non-addictive painkillers, and hot peppers could play a role. The problem with narcotics is that in treating pain, they affect an area of the brain that registers intense pleasure. Centrexion's drugs are designed to target pain directly without triggering the brain's reward system. The company says it's developing an injectable drug to treat arthritis and foot pain that contains a synthetic version of capsicum, a substance in chili plants. It's the furthest along of five drugs Centrexion has in development and could hit the market by 2020. Comcast, AT&T, Verizon, and other Internet service providers are trying to sway the FCC to abandon proposed privacy rules that would hamper their efforts to use and share customer data for advertising. The rules let ISPs use the data only if users opt in. The Internet service providers want to give an opt-out option and say the rules are unlawful. The rules would apply to ISPs, but not Internet and ad companies such as Google and Facebook. That is this morning's Bloomberg and JIT STEM report. Mike. John Tucker, thanks so much. Tom Keene here with Michael McKee in Washington. We will speak with Alan Greenspan, Madeline Albright, uh, later uh, in the, the morning. It has been a blur. Michael, let's do a quick, quick data check before we get to Sir Martin. The idea of futures negative 15, Dow futures negative 129. As you said earlier, this is not the panic of Friday. But nevertheless, we got to do more data checks. Yeah, it's definitely a grind lower on the day. The Ten-year gilt yield in England goes down below 1% for the first time ever, 95 basis points. Uh, We have any number of themes with Sir Martin Sorrell of WPP, but there can only be one theme today, which is how Sir Martin will address his team at WPP 
and their new world. Sir Martin, good morning. Thrilled that you could take the time false, with us. False pretenses, uh, Tommy. I thought you'd yeah. be here. You're in Washington. Well, we were in London. Mike and I have been. Thank you, British Airways. Where are Mr. we, Mr. Walshenhall? <laughs> I mean, we we were going to take a surveillance you know that well. stream. This is advertorial, native advertising. We just well, it's product, advertorial product placement. Yeah. Maybe we'll yeah. come back to Britain. The way things are going, with their data, Sir Martin. We can let's get to Brexit in a moment. Right. What do you tell your leadership at WPP today? Do you just go in and say cut costs by five percent? No, no, no. The reverse, if anything. So we say, first of all, we regret the decision because uh, from a personal point of view, I made it quite clear. I thought we were better in than out. But putting that to one side, the electorate has spoken. We, we said our top, top, out of our top ten markets, Tom, four uh, are in Western Continental Europe, ignoring U- UK, which is the second largest market. Germany is number four. France is number six. Uh, Italy is number nine. Spain is number ten. These are really important markets for us. They have uh, GDPs of between two and a half and three and a half trillion dollars each, uh, and they're not going to go away. So uh, ev- even given the uncertainty, because we, we may have Brexit-type referenda in Europe itself, but given that uns- even given that uncertainty, those markets are important to us, and we have to increase our p- presence there. Uh, and last but not least, whilst uh, some people have views about Brussels and the bureaucracy and the government there, they're, they're important, and Belgium is important in that context. So those five markets are markets where we will increase our presence. As far as the UK is concerned, we have to see what happens in terms of economic growth, Clearly, Brexit will have a negative impact on GDP growth in the UK, probably the, the, the most significant impact on the EU as well, uh, even X uh, the UK or the EU X the UK, and on the world's economy. I see the Chinese Premier making the comments that he made about the impact of Brexit on the Chinese economy. Uh, it does, does bring, to, bring it home. You've seen other comments in relation to India and Mexico and, and all points in between does bring it home how significant a decision this isolationist decision uh, has been or, or can be. And then we have the uncertainty. I mean, business detests uncertainty. It's the enemy of growth, as you know, Tom. Uh, and we're going to have uncertainty for a significant period of time. Uh, in the negotiation, I think it's inevitable it's going to take a long time. One ex-member of the Foreign Office said to me yeah. that it would take 10 years to renegotiate. This is before the vote. 10 years to renegotiate all those trade agreements that we will have to do on, a, well, on an item-by-item basis. This is exactly where we wanted to go. We just have a minute left, uh, Sir Martin. This is Michael. We, uh, But how long does the uncertainty last? At what point do you have to say, let's just get on with it? Well, uh, you, you have to do that. When you're running a business, you have no choice but to make decisions or – you have to delay decisions as a result. But just look at the uncertainties in front of us. We we will have a new prime minister. We'll have a question about whether there will be a general election. There's a question over Scotland and a referendum. Even question whether the Scottish will block uh, the act of parliament that has to be enacted post the referendum decision problem in uh, questions in Ireland, Northern Ireland and Ireland, questions in Wales. Then you switch to Europe itself. Will we have – the Spanish results were quite interesting, the electoral results yesterday could seem to indicate a sort of a little bit of a switch from the populist, right. the populist trend. Well, but we, we've got an Italian constitution <laughs> national yep. coming, coming up in October. Well, Angela Merkel has to decide whether she can have a fourth term or not, which I think is a Well, that's where I want to go. Yeah, that, that's important. Let's come back with Sir Martin on his – uh, disunited Kingdom. What you need to know right now is the tape deteriorates. Futures negative 16. Dow futures negative 136. From Washington, Michael McKeon, Tom Keene, Bloomberg Surveillance. 
We are counting down to the opening bell brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee. The most awarded SUV ever, the Grand Cherokee, continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by SEI. Have evolving investor and regulatory demands affected your investment firm's operational readiness? Imagine transforming your business with SEI's global platform at SEIC.com slash imagine. Medtronic saying it'll buy Hardware International of Framingham, Massachusetts for about $1.1 billion, getting technology to treat heart failure patients. And Hardware International is up almost 92% this morning. The aftershocks of the U.K.'s vote to leave the European Union reverberating across financial markets after a weekend of political turmoil, with the pound extending its record sell-off and European equities dropping to levels last seen in February. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures lower, down 17 points. Dow E-mini futures down 142. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 41. The DAX in Germany is down 2 the CAC in Paris and the FTSE 100 both down more than 1.8%. Ten-year Treasury up 28.30 seconds. The yield 1.46%. Yield on the two-year 0.56%. NYMEX crude oil down 9 tenths percent or 45 cents to 47.19 a barrel. COMEX gold is up 1% or $13.70 to 13.35.60 an ounce. The euro $1.0992. The British pound $1.3171. And the yen 101.56. And Italy's government government considering injecting capital into some lenders battered by a fresh sell-off in the wake of the U.K.'s decision to leave the E.U. That's according to people with knowledge of the talks. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, thanks so much. Michael McKee is going to come back with Sir Martin Sorrow. We are in uh, Washington, but I need to give some of the vectors, the first and second uh, derivatives to that wonderful data check uh, that Karen did. 210 spread is flattening out this morning. We really didn't see that on Friday. We did, but nothing like you would have thought. That changed this morning. 89 basis points. What you need to know is the curve is flatter this morning, and that is a new occurrence. The yen so far has been very resilient. It has not moved stronger. Is safe haven a 101.55? Yes, stronger, but maybe not like I would expect it to be. And we've got legitimate dollar strength, as Karen mentioned. Sterling has a life of its own. It has just spiked down to 131.61, low for the day, 131.58. So we're watching sterling, obviously, as a core uh, data point correctly. But, Mike, I would suggest, as, as Dean Kernett brilliantly said, I think it was on Sunday in this blur, you've got co- co- correlated markets away from equities, and then equities catch up, and we're seeing that. Right now, futures negative 18. We're starting to see a lot more correlation. So Martin Sorrell is with us. He is the CEO of WPP. And uh, you are based, uh, Sir Martin, normally in London. Well, uh, no, you, London and New York, actually, to be fair, about a third and a third and a third, the other third. Uh, but, uh, the, the corporate, uh, I'm, I'm trying to get at the financial headquarters because yeah. the, the yeah, question the finan- I want to yes, ask. We're domiciled, yes, yes. That. Yeah, the, the question I want to ask is how do you reorganize or do you reorganize the business to uh, to deal with uh, the situation in which you find yourself now, what are companies domiciled in the United Kingdom going to do? Well, you you 
yeah, I, I think actually the answer to that is you have to wait and see. I don't think you can make rash decisions or quick decisions on the. We have a decision on a referendum. It has to be implemented. We don't know how long it's going to be implemented. There are other other forces at work both within the United Kingdom and outside in Europe that you have to see through as we talked before before the break. But basically. What we are doing or in the, uh, already doing as of Friday morning is we will ironically up our presence in those top four markets of our top ten, Germany, France, Italy and Spain, rather than reducing them. They're important to us because of their size and their scale and that they're four of the top ten markets. Uh, Belgium and Brussels is important to us because it's it's the home of the the EU administration, even without the UK. So uh, ironically or paradoxically, we're actually going to probably going to invest more in those markets as a result of this fracture and and fission. Now, uh, as as far as the UK is concerned, we have to see how it sorts out in terms of GDP growth and advertising as a proportion of GDP growth, mm-hmm. how that how that turns out will affect our jobs and employment. Right. The number of people in WPP has increased to 17,000 uh, people in the UK alone in the last three or four years well, you, through growth. Do you buy the argument made by the Leave camp that as a uh, as a corporation you will be better off domiciled in London after a divorce from the EU. Well, you know, somebody the 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 CEO of the Leave campaign made the argument uh, on another channel uh, this morning that you know he he likened it to uh, American independence. I, where I found that analogy interesting. Uh, but a bit nonsensical is that we're uh, we're a few hundred years on, and the world has globalized. It is far more interconnected than in the in the 18th century. So it's a nonsense to make that comparison. Or in and, or in 1980. Absolutely, and we're not we're we're not isolated. We're all interconnected. I mean, for the Chinese <clears throat> premier to make the comments that he made about the impact of Brexit. Uh, on the prospects of the Chinese right. economy in, is an, of itself extremely interesting, bearing in mind that Britain has not penetrated the Chinese markets, our third largest market, but generally that has not been the case amongst amongst British businesses. Right. So the, the tragedy here is in, interconnection. The answer to your question about dom, domicile and where you'd be located, the, the banks clearly are going to be the financial services sector, which is so important to the UK economy. Services as a whole provide about a third of GDP. The financial services sector is a large element mm-hmm. of the growth of employment and jobs. Oh. That is the one that's going to be impacted and has been impacted by rumor already as of Friday. Right. We're so, seeing that with the bank stocks this morning. Yes, well, Australia. the banks are worried about their passports for right. activity. So, Martin, in I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are a card-carrying member of the British elite. You may disagree with that. But no, no, no. I, I'm I a second-generation immigrant, so, okay, so therefore, therefore th- this campaign actually was rather important for me. When, when you have dinner with, with the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge in New York, I guess you're part of the elite. What does the elite need to do to change the dialogue and message with the people of your United Kingdom? Well, the trouble was the elite were talking to themselves. I mean, for the private pollster of the prime minister to say, to say that they were 10 points ahead on, on Wednesday night. 55-45 you know, for Remain shows how out of touch yeah. uh, we were. And if you look at the southeast of England, I thought it was fascinating that only five constituencies in the southeast of England voted to Remain. So outside London, in the southeast, which you would have expected just intuitively right. to be in favor right. of Remain. The older people wanted Remain, younger people uh, sorry, wanted to leave, and younger people wanted to uh, remain so it, it was. It's a very split nation. Now the answer to your question is, 
uh, is a very difficult one because there are bubbles. I mean, this, London is a bubble. It is driven by forces uh, outside the UK, uh, and there has to be greater harmonization. And my own view at the end of the day is what this is all about is fiscal policy, not about monetary policy. What we've had since 2008, since Lehman, is a focus on monetary policy and close to zero or low interest rates. What we need is infrastructure investment, a, fiscal, a Keynesian stimulus to stimulate employment and reduce that inequality. Globalization is good, but you, we haven't been able to explain effectively the right. impact on car workers in Detroit when they lose their jobs to Chinese car workers. Can what I ask? We, we have to retrain, subsidize, recreate, redevelop industries. And the other big issue is does the web and new technology create employment or destroy it? Can I ask you this as you go forward? Uh, what is uh, WPP, what is British business going to do about trying to influence the Brexit negotiations, will you have people in Brussels lobbying? How, how does it work with a devolved uh, and yet semi-federal kind of uh, organization such as the EU? Well, it's, it's going to – the negotiations will take place at governmental level. I'm sure that there will be – governments will be asking on both sides for input from, from business. But essentially, it's down to the civil servants on either side to negotiate. And one civil servant used to be in the Foreign Office in the UK said to me before the election that we just don't have the resources in the UK – the talent, yeah. there are about 10 people, according to him, who could renegotiate these trade agreements. It'll take, in his view, and he was right in the teeth of it uh, before, before, uh, before he retired, it will take 10 years, in his view, to renegotiate these agreements. So the answer to your question is extremely yeah. tough. From a, We don't have the administrative capability yet to be able to do it. Now, Sir Martin, thank you so much. Sir Martin Sorrell was thank you, WPP, Tom. and we look forward to speaking him in our studios in London and in New York. Uh, is, well, Mike, we've got to do a data check here, extend it out a little bit. Mike, why don't you start, because I really don't know where to begin. Well, I'll start uh, Sterling? In, in the city with yeah. Sterling, 131.67. It's off its new low of 131.52, but it keeps grinding lower, as we said at the top of the show. And the FTSE is at uh, one uh, down 131 points, 2.1%. And uh, the correlation's rising with uh, U.S. futures as more people come into the office. Volume increases. S&P futures yeah. now down 17, 8 tenths of a percent. again, finally, a touch of strength of 101.55. That's a 0.67 uh, move. Nothing like sterling, but going the other way is a safe haven yet. 101.55. Let me get up Deutsche Bank here on the wonderful Volmer Bloomberg apparatus that we have uh, yeah. today and the basic idea of, of Deutsche Bank just just over <coughs> just over 12 euros uh, 12.19 yeah. yeah. uh, down eight and three quarters percent yeah uh, with uh, a little bit of a fragile bid right now uh, SB futures negative 18 Dow futures negative 147 with more data checks this morning this Monday from Washington. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Hey.